When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Today is Friday, April 16th, and this is Celtics Beat on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman. Episode 404 featuring NBC Sports Boston's Chris Forsberg is powered by BetOnline.ag. Go to BetOnline.ag today and use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. What's up, everybody? Welcome on in. Another new edition of Celtics Beat. We got, uh, you know, just a, a great crew here with us. I mean, I, I don't know what more you could ask for on the heels of a That's Celtics true. sweep on the West Coast, other than a few guys who are just, uh, probably look hungover, but in reality are just exhausted from all these late nights. I am Adam Goffman, Evan Valenti. You know him well, our producer and occasional host. And of course, as we like to joke around with him here, the overexposed Chris Forsberg from NBC Sports <laughs> Boston. Great to have you, buddy. What's going on, Adam and Evan? It's good to see y'all. Good to see you. I know, uh, we, you know, we've got you on the heels of recording your podcast. Mm-hmm. So, uh, by all means, people check that out. Obviously, the Celtics Talk Pod over at NBC Sports Boston. It's okay. We're confident enough in ourselves over here to be able to promote pods that are not within our specific family of uh, CLNS podcasts. You know, there's so many. There's so many good Celtics podcasts. Like, I don't, I don't get angry. You know. Like go go find it. Abby's got a new podcast. Like if you got a podcast, come come promote it. <laughs> Is there a certain point in time? And I'm not even specifically talking about the Celtics. Now I'm just talking about the world. Are there too many podcasts? Yes. Like are, it, it, does it become a thing where <laughs> like it? I I remember ba- way back when uh, you know if we want to go to this is showing our age, but we all remember go back to like the dot com boom, right? Mm-hmm. And when Bill Simmons really became sort of the uh, the voice of the internet for the sports fan with with ESPN.com and page two before that, you know, long before like Grantland and the ringer and all that. It was like, man, like, how do, how do I have a blog? Like, and then suddenly it became anybody can have a blog. Like it's, it's easier that it's almost easier to create a blog than it is to do anything else in the world. And now we've sort of hit that, that place with podcasts too. There was a certain exclusivity about it at the <laughs> beginning. And now it's like, you can just, you know, well, oh, cool. I got a phone. Well, I guess I got a podcast. I think I got zoom. I've had yeah. two people pitch me podcast ideas the last week. And they're wow. just like, hey, we need your help. And I'm like, all right, you have no experience in journalism, broadcasting at all whatsoever. So this is going to go really well. But maybe uh, it would. It's a, I mean, look at TikTok. Like, you, you never you're know. You're going to have an audience. You don't need, necessarily need to have talent. Nah. You, know what's fun? you know what's fun? I'll tell you, I'll tell you a quick story. Is, uh, um, probably one of my final few years at, at ESPN, they, they were kind of changing over the podcast. They came to me and said, uh, 
you know, we want to get you on. Honestly, I don't even know what we were calling it at that point. Hoop Collective, Hoops Basketball with Friends. Like it, it was going through some iterations. And uh, I sat there, I was like, podcasting? That went out with button shoes. There's no way this is going to take, you know, this, 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 this is, this is old and over. And, uh, and then here I am. And when we start, when I, when I dived in with, with NBC Sports Boston, I was like, wow podcasting is, is just sort of getting going. And I was like, man, I wrote it off too quick. I wish I'd, uh, I, I had a, um, I had a couple of spirit airline rants on that ESPN podcast. I, think <laughs> I, I probably should have, I probably should have shown them. I, I knew something about basketball instead of uh, ranting about the travel, the travel difficulties, but now I can't imagine, you know, and it's funny you say that, is there too many podcasts? And then I, th- I thought about it. And I was like, you know, there's still probably one morning out of every week I go to walk my dog and I, I reload my podcast apps and I'm like, ah, got nothing to listen to everyone's old and outdated you know no like there's like we all gotta stagger it we should all pick a day yeah you know like like you guys got sunday i'll take monday uh jay king and and, and that career can take tuesday Corrales can have wednesday. get the Gino time guys on wednesday we'll yeah. put the, the you know, and, and john and perk and mark's new podcast on thursday yeah it make, makes all the sense in the world i remember saying that to uh to our bosses here at CLNS, because it's like, I'm not telling anyone anything you don't know. Like there, there are more than enough Celtics podcasts just within CLNS, let alone every, everywhere else like yours and, and so on, you know, like, why don't we all just pick a day and, mm-hmm. and just distribute that way? Because when, when you've got so many pods coming out in the same day, morning, afternoon, evening, it's like, I mean, there, there is such a thing as, like with you, we joke about overexposure, but there absolutely is like podcast overexposure. It's like, do I, do I need three new Celtics pods to come out on the same day from either the same company or it just becomes, it becomes a popularity contest. It becomes like, well, pick your favorite, you know, voices in, in the industry. And, and that's the one you're going to listen to. The best part though, is when they're winning, people will listen to anything. So uh, let's ride that way. The off season. Celtics are all, all about the off season because yeah. you know, the yes. trades and drafts. Off season numbers are outrageous. So crazy every year. They're ridiculous. I remember when we, I was first starting with CLNS and we would put out these round table videos and I'll make this very quick. Uh, we would get like 20, 30, 40, 50,000 views. And I was like, there is literally no basketball happening right now. <laughs> and it is all speculation. And it's just hilarious. Again, that's when I, and I couldn't believe it, but that's when you see some of your best numbers is one of the off season. Right. And you can just talk about trades and, and team building. It's really, it's so much fun. Or if you put Isaiah Thomas in the headline of this, oh, uh, of this thing, like it's going to get, it's going to be do gangbusters. So. I'm going to put number Isaiah Thomas, <laughs> that's it, with Chris Forsberg. That's it. The number of tweets that I got about Isaiah Thomas just between the end of last night's game mm-hmm. to where we are this morning. And, and we, we can touch on that, but it's like, it's, it's killing me. Even it's, it's not even just tweets, it's texts at this point. Yeah. But the only other thing I was going to ask you about podcasts, because again, like you just recorded yours. Now you're on this one, you know, you'll have radio interviews. Like if you're comfortable sitting in all the different seats. Do you prefer to mm. be in the lead chair hosting? Ooh. Do you, do you prefer to be, you know, on the receiving end of questions as opposed to guiding the conversation? Where, I enjoy, where are you at? I enjoy both. I think, uh, you know, especially as I've, I've tried to take a little bit more ownership of, of Celtics talk. It, it's, uh, I'm probably a little bit protective of it in terms of like, I want to be sort of steering the conversation, but it's almost like when Scal got to do play by play the other night, he so used to being the analyst that he would talk up the play and be like, all right, you know, Jason Tatum goes to the bucket. And then he want to explain why he got to the bucket <laughs> and he actually had to police himself. And I feel the same way. It's like, I'll set up the question and then I want to answer the question. So I, I start talking. So I, sometimes I think I try to find that balance, but uh, yeah, I, I try to be the, uh, 
I'm trying to think of a good uh, representation. Who's like the Celtics' most Swiss Army knife of a player? You know, Marcus Smart, giving the game what it needs. Like, right. I, I probably have a really good role that I should stick to, but sometimes I just want to jack threes. So, uh, <laughs> you know, we uh, we ride it. Well, let's let's go right there, kind of with this, because I, I'm going to ask you a question that I have been asked a lot in in recent interviews that I have done, and uh, with the success of the team right now, wins in five straight, vaulting themselves from a fringe playoff team to now in a, a tie with the Hawks for the fourth seed, playing really at the level that that we have long expected them to. We've said all along this this is the talent ability that they have. They've just played so far beneath their level, but with the five in a row, win seven out of nine. Are they fixed? What is, what is their ceiling? Where do you see this team if you're evaluating them right now? So I always hesitate because I do ride the emotional roller coaster. Like you'll see me there banging my head against the post-game live desk when they lose a bad game in the fourth quarter. And then, you know, I've, I've gotten I've, – I've, I've grown – from I was like really cautiously optimistic after the initial wins here, like, okay, the Knicks and uh, that didn't do anything for me. The Timberwolves, like, okay, great. Jason Tatum had a great game, but we're talking about the Timberwolves here, last place in the NBA. And so I was a little cautious, but to go on the road, do what they did against Denver. Now Denver was due for a letdown and clearly waved the white flag in the fourth quarter there. But even going up to Portland, who I thought played really well, they had to hose down Lillard a little bit and Marcus mm-hmm. Mark going in there and shutting him down a little bit. And then even last night, you know, I, I, again, like there's no reason they should have even lost that 27 point lead, but mm-hmm. you know, look, go three and oh on a road trip where you go out West. The Celtics haven't done that in past years. And so, uh, some encouraging strides here. I think I'm seeing what the potential is when they're healthy and how defined roles and guys understanding what they're supposed to do. Like, I think the biggest storyline right now, even as good as Jalen and Jason have been to me, like I woke up this morning and I'm like, what do I want to write about? I really want to write about how good Kemba has been in adjusting to his role. Mm-hmm. Like his assist totals are up. His usage rate is down. He took a corner three last night, which he never does. I feel like he's, whether it is the coaching staff talking to him or just Kemba recognizing like, this is how I can best help this team. And all of a sudden, like there's not 50 people in my Twitter mentioned saying trade Kemba Walker this off season. And so, you know, look, they need everybody to do that. They need everybody to stay healthy. They need Jalen and Jason to continue to be great. But I am a little bit more bullish that if they do all that, if Robert Williams gets back to full health, that this team at least has a puncher's chance against anybody. And especially the higher they climb in the seedings, I feel a little bit more comfortable based on, you know, what the potential matchups could be. If I'm putting it in the simplest terms, and you can tell me if you agree, and Evan, certainly, you know, let me know how you feel about this. This is how I've been answering the question in, in its shortest form, is that the Celtics are still not a contender. Let's not fool ourselves into believing they are a championship contender. If everything breaks right, if they stay healthy, if they play at their level, if they do what they're doing, Evan Fournier comes back and provides them what they expect from him and what we've seen glimpses of so far. They are a team that could make the conference finals. More than likely, they bow out in the second round. If they revert back to what they were doing, they're a team that goes out in the first, maybe even loses in the play-in tournament. That is the spectrum for this team. But to me, they are, they're kind of, it's funny because we had Grandy on last week and Grandy was saying how, you know, people don't really realize this in part because of the bubble and what was happening in the world. And maybe depending on how closely you look at it, but like that team in the playoffs last year and in the bubble in general played probably, it was probably the third best performing team in the last 20 years of Celtics basketball, which is, is just mind boggling to think about. And that was a team that I felt going into the bubble anyway, you know, just during that season was similar in that it's, 
they're probably going to bow out in the second round, but there's a ceiling there. Mm -hmm. And I think that came to fruition ultimately. You know, they certainly could have gotten past Miami. They didn't. And, you know, now people revisionist history look at that as is losing to a you know a, a losing a matchup that you that you should have won and losing to a port like no Miami was a good team and injuries played into it and it wasn't good and, and they looked bad because of the injuries they sustained against the Lakers and so it changes people's perspective but that's how I view this team right now in terms of its overall outlook as you know the regular season wraps up pretty soon and I think that's fair like, uh, and Ev, I'll, I'll, I'll defer to you here, but like, I, I agree. Like they could just as easily, the wheels could come off. They could lose a one player. Like, I think their depth is a little bit tenuous. Like, and I don't, I'm not saying like the, the guys that were in at the end, like, I don't think we're going to see Carson Edwards and, uh, Luke Cornette playing big minutes in the playoffs, but you know, obviously, you know, it's fair to say if without Evan Fournier, all of a sudden you got to lean a little bit heavier on Grant Williams and Shemi Ojale, and they've had good moments in this stretch, especially Grant. But the, the depth is sort of thin. And so if you do lose one body during this, if we, as we see, like Robert Williams goes out, all of a sudden that depth chart at the center position is really, is really thin. So uh, it could come down to health, but it's a weird season. And the Celtics have gone through it more than anybody to this point. So I can't just sit here and say that, you know, maybe the, the balance of bad luck doesn't tip in the playoffs a little bit. And it was almost weird to see like AD and LeBron out last night. I was like, when was the last time the Celtics had – uh, their opponent had more people out than the Celtics did in, on a given night. So, uh, yeah, it's it's complete wild card. But uh, the spectrum is just like you said; could be a as early as early as a disappointing first round exit. But I think it's more likely they get to that second round, and we'll see what Celtics team shows up. Yeah, I, I you know we've been a little encouraged here over the past you know we'll call it since April started. I think the Cs are like what eight and one in their last nine mm-hmm. over the past fifteen. They've been really great. Kirk Goldsberry who does a great job charting these things. Um, has the Celtics in the quadrant of wow currently in the last 15. They're fifth, uh, they're sixth in offensive rating, seventh in defensive rating, and they're fourth in overall net rating. And that kind of, you know, is uh, a bunch of things happening. They've, they've played some easier teams, as Chris has said, the T Wolves and the Knicks, although, you know, they were tough. And, and I like the fact that Boston had to kind of crawl their way back in both games to, to win both of those. Um, so those, that helps me going on the road against Denver. I don't care. Like they didn't have small Murray when you get down that big, it's still a big deal to me. Uh, beating Portland was great. And you know, if they, if this, if they don't turn the ball over 15 times in the first half and his bench doesn't blow out that game in LA last night's a blowout. So, but they're playing much better defense Their defensive rating over the past nine or 10 games, I think is down from 113 to 106, which is their best number. I think of the season, I think by a mile, at least That's it way. looks like it. Um, this team, Look, I will, I will be slightly more optimistic. I think this team's entire season has been about they haven't had their entire roster together ever, and it's April. Um, you know, Rob Williams has finally emerged as a starting center. They got Tristan Thompson back. Kemba looks great, and Danny said the other day they're going to be a little bit more comfortable with it. They don't want to do it right now, but they would be comfortable if they needed to to let Kemba play in back-to-backs. Smart's back and doing smart things. You know, you have Tatum taking an inhaler before games, so his COVID doesn't affect him that well. And they're going to have to manage Jason or Jalen's knee to deny us the rest of the way. Fournier's coming back soon. Look, this and Romeo is alive. So we have all that going on right now. This team <laughs> finally has its rotation healthy. We don't know what it looks like yet, but it's healthy. And the numbers suggest as this team has gotten healthier, they've been able to string some wins together and string some good play together. The one thing I look for, I don't really, the offensive stuff, you know, comes and goes. 
But that defensive number is something I really take a lot of stock into because this team defensively has been a complete, um, you know, outlier in terms of what we've seen out of Brad Stevens' teams over the, the entire tenure of Brad Stevens, right? This team mm-hmm. has always been able to do defensive work against anybody. That the, the numbers this entire season have been absolute trash until, again, the past nine games. So I can take a little stock into this team's performing really well. You know, the competition, yeah, comes and goes. We'll see. But they're playing with confidence. Um, you can see the energy is much better, but the defensive side of the floor, I'm very encouraged by it. And you have like Luke Cornett as an example. And I know he might not play a ton of the playoffs. I think he's a useful guy to have at the end of the bench. I'm surprised he's more helpful than Mo Wagner right now, mm-hmm. but they <laughs> have a long shot, right? But they have four guys right now that can all, you know, do things in terms of, you know, switch all that stuff. I mean, again, Cornett had four blocks, three blocks last yeah. night. That's impressive. Rob Williams do, does Rob Williams things. I, I just like the fact that they're playing with a little bit more cohesion than they have in the past. The, the offense, you know, Tatum, 53 the other night, Brown, 17 of 20 for 40. I mean, that's good stuff. And to get back to something that Forsberg, you know, kind of led with, it all kind of, for me, comes back to Kemba Walker. I think Kemba determines how high the ceiling is. I think this team wants to be the four seed, you know, get a, a young Atlanta team in the first round. And then if you're Philly, I mean, the one team you kind of don't want to see is a team that's kicked your ass the past couple of years. And then if you can somehow get by Philly, you have a Nets team that we have no idea what it's going to look like despite their historic run. So I'm a little more optimistic. I don't think they're going to win a title, but I'm feeling way better today than I did about two months ago. I'll tell you that right now. Evan coming in hot. All right, so here's the podcast title. Uh, Valente, uh, colon, Celtics in finals, comma, Maybe should sign Isaiah Thomas. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Lock it in right there. Yeah. King of content there. Chris Forsberg's got me out there. There it is. SEO. Yeah, I mean, it's – well, let's take – I want to dive more into some of this stuff. Let's take a quick break just to say Bet Online, our sponsor, fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, obviously. NBA – NHL, MLB, all in full swing, NBA title odds. You got those nets Evan was talking about, plus 225, led, of course, by Kyrie Harden and KD, the very sensitive Kevin Durant, plus 225 to win a championship. The Lakers, who lost without LeBron and Davis, plus 325 to repeat as champs. The Clippers at plus 575, the Jads at uh, plus 750. I just... I'm not a believer in Utah at all. Celtics plus 4,000 if you think they've turned the corner, folks. Plus 4,000 on Boston to win a title. And let us not forget that uh, a little less than two weeks from today, NFL draft is coming up. BetOnline.ag is loaded with fun prop bets. Some of uh, Evan's favorites here. You got under four cornerbacks drafted in the first round, plus 150. That's cornerbacks, not quarterbacks. Over a half uh, safety drafted. In the first at uh, minus one uh, or minus two twenty, might want to lock it in. Trevin Morgan's going. Trevin Morgan's going in the first round. Lock that in. All right, first defensive player drafted. uh, Micah Parsons probably to the Patriots, right? Plus two hundred, so you can uh, think about him as well. And the third pick overall, it's going to be a quarterback, folks. Do you believe in the Mac Jones smoke? Evan doesn't. Trey Lance plus five hundred. Okay, so you can uh, think about that. Now, Bet Online has you covered for all the news, the scores, the odds. Best way to place your bets. It is free to sign up, folks. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that prop, uh, you know, or promo code CLNS50 to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Again, that promo code is CLNS50 
Bet Online, your online sports book experts. Uh, Chris, I want to talk about something that, uh, well, a lot of people have been talking about, which has led to all of the nonstop Isaiah Thomas tweets that have been out there. And I, 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 for, I've resisted to get into any sort of Twitter discussion with people who have sent me this because I just, I, I, I don't want to, you know, people love it so much, the story, the person they, they want, we all want so deeply for him to even remotely resemble his old self somewhere in the NBA. Doesn't have to be Boston. Doesn't have to be 30 points a game. Doesn't have to be MVP conversation. Come back, be productive and stick on a contract beyond 10 days. That's what we want for it. Get your money, show your back. You know, like you, you were a hell of a story to begin with. Now be a hell of a comeback story. That's we're all rooting for him. Good dude. Despite the fact he blocked me on Twitter. Well, putting all of that aside, I feel like people don't recognize that he's not what he once was at all. Now I had friends texting me last night saying, fine. He's not what he once was. He's still better than probably four people on the Celtics bench right now. You know, like you, you could, you could justify, like put him out there over Tremont waters, put him out there over Carson Edwards, put him out there over, I mean, different positionally, but Mo Wagner, like there, you, you could justify him being out there and, and maybe giving you some of that offensive spark, because the fact of the matter is this bench is bad. And I want to read uh, something that your colleague Kendrick Perkins said on uh, post game live last night, which is just, he hit the nail on the head, you know, saying of the uh, the fourth quarter bench unit that, again, nearly gave away an entire 27-point lead with, what, eight, nine minutes left against the Lakers bench, okay? Like, LeBron wasn't out there. AD wasn't out there. You're basically playing the Lakers reserves collectively with your own reserves. Perk says, when you come into the game, you're still fighting for your livelihood. We're talking about guys who are still on rookie contracts. When you're on a rookie contract, every minute is valuable. Every possession is valuable. You don't know who's watching. It's not just Brad Stevens or Danny Ainge and the Celtics organization, but they have other scouts from other teams that are watching, not only watching to scout the Celtics and send in a report sheet, but they are watching to see other talent who's coming up for free agency so they can keep their eye on them in case the Celtics don't want them anymore. So you're always auditioning for a job in the NBA, especially when you're a third string type player. So I, I read that, I heard it, and I had two immediate simultaneously simultaneous reactions, which is one, no crap. Like, I mean, no, like nothing that Perk said there is is intuitive in the sense that like everything is like it, it. That should be common sense. That should be common sense to all of us. But the flip side is, well, clearly someone needs to say it because the players aren't out there playing like they recognize that. You know, it took Perk to call out Tatum to get him, you know, in the right headspace. Maybe he needs to call out the collective bench to get everything to figure out for the Celtics, their reserves as well. I just I don't understand. And, and yes, talent matters and they are talent thin when, uh, you know, you take out the starters when when you're looking specifically at the reserves. But they're not as bad as what we saw last night. And this isn't the first time I thought I can't remember which game it was, but there was another instance where the Celtics emptied the bench and almost had to go back to the starters. And you're thinking like, there hasn't been enough nights where they can get Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, some extended rest and they have to have them relace up their high tops twice now uh, isn't ideal. Now, on one hand, I don't think there will be any point during the postseason that you will need to lean on Carson Edwards and Tremont waters and all the group that was out there. Um, on the other hand, I'm disappointed that guys like Aaron Neesmith, who should be chomping at the bit in those instances, can't go in there and steady you. Like all they really needed was one bucket there. And it felt like they just couldn't do it. And even worse, they were just throwing it all over the place and making bad decisions. And, um, you know, that happens. And I get it. Like trash time is weird. And yet, you know, I hear Scal say it all the time. 
You know, when that's all you've got, that's when you should be just so hell bent on putting your best foot forward. So, you know, as you said, the, the natural inclination is okay. Well, should the Celtics overhaul the end of their bench? And I just don't, they're not in a position. They don't have the, the, the money. You know, they, they had to do some serious juggling just to get below the luxury tax to uh, avoid that this year after and having to send out Daniel Tice at the um, trade deadline to make that happen. I don't think you're in a position where you need to start overhauling the back end of the bench. The reward isn't great enough. Um, you know, maybe something they should have considered a little bit more at the start of the year. And I think they did, you know, just the Jeff Teague experiment didn't work out. You know, Neesmith hasn't gotten a chance to consistently develop and his confidence is probably a little shot. And so it's just what it is. But when you have a healthy Evan Fournier, if you have a healthy Robert Williams, you know, I feel a lot better about the ability for reserve groups to sustain. And I don't think that game even gets close if either of those guys is available last night. So I don't want to overreact to it. Now, just to touch on the Isaiah Thomas thing, no one loves the little guy as much as me. Uh, I actually had a, uh, when he first got that 10 day with New Orleans a couple of weeks ago, I said, I was legitimately jealous of the Pelicans because the Celtics were so bad at that point and had such poor energy and enthusiasm that I was like, Isaiah Thomas is exactly what they need to right their wrongs and give them a jolt. Five games later, I don't quite feel that way. And, you know, it feels good that they've sort of organically figured out how to do it without needing that benchmark. I think the other thing people forget is, you know, just as you said, Adam, it's, uh, it's not the same player. And that kills me to say, cause it's not his fault, you know, bad hip and the confluence of all that he's been through. He needs to be on a team that can give him, 20 minutes a night and let him find his old ways, let him find his confidence. You know, not maybe not his confidence. I don't think Isaiah ever lacks for confidence, but in order to get back to the player that he wants to be, he needs a more of an opportunity than Boston could offer. And, you know, he probably doesn't need to be in a place where the expectation, and I know people would say, oh, it's no big deal. It doesn't have to be old IT. I, I just, I don't think that's true. I think you come in and there's this like, you know, desire for him to be what he was and to, to provide the spark that he did. And, just not at that spot right now. So uh, it would be a great storybook, but um, right now he needs to find a team who's probably out of it, who can give him time and let him be who he is and try to get that next deal. And I hope just like we, we hammer home every time this conversation comes up, I hope he finds it. Yeah, I agree with that. The thing with IT though, we have to remember with like, how does he fit with this particular Celtics team? How does he see floor Mm -hmm. time? And it's basically, They've, uh, you know, gone through all of the avenues they possibly could to create some sort of spark. Okay, so IT, let's just see if you can, you know, carry us for a bit. And I don't think he's capable of that really, of doing that right now, carrying a team, you know, trying to, you know, make the Eastern Conference Finals. I just, I don't, I don't see it. I mean, we all love Isaiah Thomas. Remember, you know, the, the, well, the fit was a 52 against Miami in yeah. the, that year. It was like one of the most breathtaking games I've seen anybody, oh, right. you know, play. It was, you know, back in the time when people could actually go in the TD Garden and, and make a lot of noise. The, the electricity in that building was unbelievable. Um, but again, what would it take for Isaiah Thomas to actually play for the Boston Celtics? Well, it would take Kemba being bad. It would take Smart being bad. It would take Tatum and Brown having off nights plus Fournier having an off night. So you're talking about like six things have to happen for Isaiah Thomas to come to the game and give him the spark. So again, I love him to death. We all hope that he finds some sort of spot where he can regain his footing and become the guy, or at least some of the guy that he was when he was here in Boston. Um, I just, again, this is not, not the right fit for Boston, just in terms of, you know, when does he get playing time? Then you had the money factor in Chris. And again, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Again, I, I would love for it to be him, but again, he's just not going to get any playing time when it, when the games really matter. I mean, again, they already have 
one small point guard that, again, tries his ass off defensively in Kemba Walker, but is a defensive liability. Remember the, t- the days when Isaiah was playing in the playoffs for the Celtics? They had to basically run a zone and keep Isaiah on the wing to make him not a defensive liability. Remember those Bulls series where yeah. it was like him versus Rondo, and Rondo would just pick apart the zone, and it would be a disaster for the Celtics. I, it, it doesn't help you. Again, I love him to death. Hope you find somewhere, but no, I'm just not for me. You remember, uh, it's, was it Alec Baldwin and Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, I think, with the, the ABCs of sales, you know, always be closing. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's what I've found it, it, the experience is as a Celtics fan now. The ABCs of being a C's fan is always blame coaching. And you, and you got that again. You got that once again all over Twitter last night with the Celtics nearly giving away that lead. And it's, you know, Brad Stevens sucks. Fire Brad. Got to get rid of it. It's like, no, the bench gave up or almost gave up a 27 point lead not brad brad wasn't out there not able to score a basket and brad didn't build this team you know you put that on danny before you put that on brad as the architect of of this roster and uh you know but then the quick reaction is well someone had to sub him in you know with, with nine minutes left someone had to let it get that close you put before you put the starters back in and it's just that's what the conversation is nonstop. Mm-hmm. you guys all hear it the same way that i do at what point in time do we need to just accept there are there's just there's a segment of fans that that maybe it's a, a a vocal minority that's what I believe it is but there's a segment of fans that just wants Brad gone at all costs like it's time for a change Brad needs to go and then there are the others that there, there's there's another probably another vocal minority that Brad can do no wrong and like none of this is on Brad and what are you people talking about and who do you want to hire and then there's the middle ground there's the middle ground that acknowledges you know what like. Brad is responsible for some of the crap that happens, but you still probably aren't going to find a better coach for this team right now. And, uh, and, and, and that's just, I, the deviation from one to the other, to the other on a daily basis, it's, it's agonizing really is what I'm saying, Chris. It's what it's Celtics, it's Celtics nation as a whole. Like, and I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to loop all the, the, the rational fans here, but we do ride the roller coaster and Mm. you know, it's, it's easy when you need someone to blame, it's, he's an easy target. The coach always sort of gets some of that flack. Um, you know, I think it's telling that whenever we've had the, the Brad conversation, Danny Ainge has come out and been like, Hey, he's the least of our problems. And, you know, look, could Brad be better in some instances? Sure. But, managing the bench with a 27 point lead really really not like something i'm going to sit here and obsess about at night so uh you know until the next gigantic college job opening comes along and someone can shoehorn him in there you know he had no connection to north carolina we spent two days talking about like what do you go coach the tire heels i'm thinking what are we doing what are we doing here um but until duke opens up <laughs> yeah, well, okay, then, then that might actually help. Um, and maybe, maybe, t- maybe Tatum can steer him, steer him back here. Like, no, you want to yeah. coach a Duke guy? You can coach, coach this Duke guy. Um, but yeah, it's just going to always be part of the conversation. And, uh, I think people will, uh, it only, those who want Brad gone will only regret it once he's gone and they see what the flip side is. And so, yeah, maybe there's like a drill sergeant that can come in and, try to maximize Tatum in a different way, but no, it's just like those things. The other thing that worked against Brad last night, Frank Vogel used like 12 timeouts in six minutes last night. And I mean, really fascinating that they were out of timeouts and Brad still had not even called one, not that he needed to. Uh, And then when they probably needed a timeout, he was just sort of like, let's get this flight in the air, get home and was trying to just get to the finish line with uh, if they, again, if they just make one more basket, we're not even talking about this. It was just all a conspiracy to get, 
Brown to his 40 points. That's it could all. Be. Perfect. Yeah, let this thing slip away. You've got to run a couple of minutes. So I, I want to wrap up with, you know, we started with something fun. I want to end with something fun. So I've, I've, you know, for giggles for, for my own personal energy entertainment, I've ragged on you before the, you know, the, the exclusivity of, of being followed by Chris Forsberg on Twitter <laughs> and, you know, and, and like, what the, what the heck, why don't you follow me? Which obviously, as you know, I don't care one way or the other, but what I did catch on TV uh, recently that I, I was like, I can't wait to talk to him about this was you being, you being called out on television by not for not following Kendrick Perkins. Yeah. And like, you know, when, and it's one thing when like I call you out for not, follow, you know, like, why do you fall when Perk calls you out on television for not following him, uh, him on Twitter? I mean, one, I'm sure you quickly remedied that situation, but Had two, you. you know, like what immediately is going through your head of, you know, like what is the right way to respond to this? I think my first reaction is how does Kendrick Perkins have enough time to tell who is, who is, and who is not following him? Doesn't he have like <laughs> hundreds of thousands of followers? Like uh, I feel, yeah, I mean, we must've been tagged in the same post, but I can see that moment because we all have that, right. Where, you know, you pull up something that you're, you're in, you're tagged in the same as somebody else. And you're like, wait, they don't follow me. Yeah. <laughs> Disrespectful. And yeah. I'm sure there are people out there that uh, hold it against me. I've tried to explain this multiple times that, you know, when I first created a Twitter account, uh, it was not this one and this one got verified and that was out of my control. And so I did not want to sit there and refollow the same 5,000 people that I had already started following on the other one. So I just kind of ported over some lists and that's where I follow everybody now. And then just as a shout out to all my NBCS colleagues and, uh, you know, I'm sure there's some ESPN stragglers in there too. Uh, just a very limited number of, uh, of followers. I don't even know if I have that column on my tweet deck. You know, I, it's mostly just a list of, of like, uh, Celtics and NBA and all that. Uh, it's almost like perfunctory for me. Uh, but yeah, as soon as Perk said it, I was like, bleep. And I pulled up my phone and right from that chair, I had to follow him. Uh, you know, you just don't want to, don't want to get perk on your bad side. As Jason said, the big man, (laughs) you know what I always say to people might, because the, you know, I, I get that from time to time, you know, especially from like colleagues, like you're a bad teammate. You don't follow me, that sort of thing. And I'll say like, look, I, and this is not an exaggeration. This is, this is true. Like, I don't follow my mom on Twitter. I mean, like, we don't want you know, do you want to see, read your mom's tweets all the time like i just i wouldn't no, like, text me if it's time to be a nightmare moms are on facebook Twitter. right like yeah we, we, yeah right <laughs> that's why i have facebook exactly uh but but it, it, yeah same deal like they can people can make you feel really bad about that and yeah. uh it's funny like we, we, we as we're talking about the big story this week obviously is per calling out to jason and and jason you're probably seeing it on twitter you know, we're all aware. We all see this stuff. Even if you're not following someone, it, it, it's out there. You're you're gonna see it eventually. So, uh, you know, I see everything. I hope. Perk is just calling everybody out. Tatum, Forsberg, the yeah. bench. Who's next? Who's gonna be in? You Kaufman. Yeah, right now, now that you've next, so, uh, and next week on the show, Kendrick I'll, Perkins. <laughs> I'll say this, no, because he hasn't even done the Celtics talk yet. So there, there's absolutely no way that's that's happening. I need him on my <laughs> podcast first before I let him go. So he's, he's he started his own podcast now before he got on Celtics talk. Somehow, even though he's part of the NBC Sports Boston family, um, uh, he yeah, you know. So what what can you do? Uh, I, I mean, Perk's going to call out everybody by the by the end of it, and yeah, and um, then just tell them to carry the hell on. Yeah. And, and which is great. Like I, what I love is it's just unvarnished and, and even better. It's hard for, you know, I think the hardest part about having a hot take on this Twitter box here is eventually you're wrong. 
And then I sit there and I'm like, oh man, I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have called out Jason Tatum for slow starts. He's been so good at the start of games, you know, like then I, I got to kind of walk. Perk has no problem. Perk's just like, hey, I was wrong. Yeah. Just carry on. He admits you know? it though. Yeah. yeah exactly. so people just dig deeper. They're like, no, I'm going to plant my flag even further in this particular take. Like yeah. I, those are the people that drive me crazy. Well, and it's also, and this is a much longer conversation we don't have time for, but I can only imagine how it, how it impacts you mentally as someone who's still more of a journalist than talking head and, and reporter and obviously has broken news in the past and all of that. Like there, there's just no accountability in the industry anymore with social media. Like you get something wrong, you get something wrong. Who cares? Like nobody remembers it. You know, it, it, there was a point in time, however many years ago, where that would have like destroyed someone's credibility completely. You know, if, if you floated out a potential trade rumor and it didn't happen now, it's just like, eh, just, a, yeah, yesterday's news. Five times a day, I see a report and I think, oh, everyone's going to know this is just, this isn't coming from a credible source. And then we talk about it for three days and I'm constantly amazed that you can have the worst track record on, on like what the, the buzz around the Celtics is. And it's just the way it is. We all have a platform. It's all how you use it. And uh, hopefully fans figure out like, you know, they see it, they understand what's best. Um, Yeah. It's just got to be diligent. Trust there your, you figure out who your, your preferred sources are. Well, one of our preferred guests is Chris Forsberg from NBC. Even if I'm overexposed. Boston. Yeah. <laughs> but, but you know what? Uniquely exposed when you're on the show, because we talk about all the other stuff that you mm-hmm. don't have time to get into elsewhere. So we appreciate okay. you hopping on. We'll continue on with the show for a few minutes. We'll let you hop out, but uh, thanks. Uh, Evan, like I said, always. that, that blazer you got in the background. Yes, sir. <laughs> 42, 42 regular. You're a 42. I wouldn't have guessed that. You look like a 40. Really? Yeah, you can tell that through the through the through the old Zoom box. Um, I don't need a tape. I can just use my eyes. <laughs> really? Forty two is all right. Well, I'm now now when I, maybe I am a four. Maybe I've just been buying them too big. I don't think so. I think it depends on the model too. You could get a slim model, you'd be a forty two. It just depends on the jacket. Really? What kind of yeah. butterfly jeans should I buy? Should I buy uh... none of them? <laughs> None of them. Spend I'm your money. To break this to you. You wouldn't be able to pull them off. No, that is well challenge accepted. <laughs> yeah, <there it> is. <laughs> All right, go boys. Have a good show. All right, man. Thanks, we'll catch you soon. Remember, check out the Celtics Talk Pod uh, over there, NBC Sports Boston. Chris Forsberg, always a pleasure. Evan and I roll on for uh, a couple minutes here, and uh, Ev, you know, just thinking along the lines of obviously everything that we've been talking about over the course of the show, and uh, you know, I, I think the big one. And we could circle back to it. We talked about it plenty, but the big one, I think the, the overarching story with this team at a, a, a very surface level way of looking at it is have your expectations changed for them now here in, in mid-April versus what they were the vast majority of the year when they were so often unwatchable. I think we've come back to the, well, we've come back closer to the original expectation of this team when the season started. Um, you know, it's been fun to watch people just come up with ideas and takes over the past couple of months about what's really plaguing this team. Twitter obviously is a dumpster fire. These comment section in this particular video section at points has become a dumpster nah. fire. But I love all of you that comment on these videos. You guys are the greatest people of all time. Seriously, I love all of you. Especially um, by the way, I wish I could remember his name, but the guy that made the like that guy's that guy's CLNS my favorite project. dude. The guy that made the video calling us all out at CLNS. That guy's my Fantastic. favorite guy. Love that video. Might have to have him on at some point. But look, we've all over the course of several months have tried to figure out exactly why this team wasn't performing. Um, 
I, I would say that we've been pretty level-headed on that conversation, although we've leaned in certain directions. I've leaned into the Danny thing harder than any, any other take, I think. I think the roster construction has been a problem. Um, but what we're seeing now is what this team looks like when it's fully healthy, and the addition of Evan Fournier hasn't even really sunk in yet. He's played a few games. You see the, 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 the sparks that it could potentially be something really positive, but we don't really know yet. Um, the Tatum thing coming back from COVID has been a real interesting journey. Um, as someone that had COVID, I cannot imagine what it's like being a professional basketball player and carrying a team offensively and defensively every single night the way Tatum has had to do, um, and trying to, to, you know, keep your stamina going. Um, you know, I, I barely get like 10,000 steps a day and this guy runs like four miles a day. So it's, it's like way different. Um, but he's, he's been unbelievable lately. Offensively, he looks like he's in much better rhythm than he was. You know, Brown has been locked in from the very beginning and that's just the way Jalen is. He's so consistent. That's the best thing about Jalen is his consistency night in, night out. Um, you see the importance of having a healthy smart on the team and what he's been able to do. Um, shout out to my guy, not Nick Miller on Twitter, who put this together. Um, I'm going to pull it up right now. The numbers of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown since the return of a healthy Marcus Smart post the All-Star break. In 19 games, Tatum averaging 26.7 a game, 7.1 rebounds, 3.8 assists on 49, 41, and 90 shooting. Jalen Brown, 24 and a half points per game, six rebounds, 2.5 assists on 49%, 42% from three, and 70% from the line. Those two guys with a healthy smart been able to really up their games offensively, become more efficient, highlighted by Jalen uh, Brown 17-20 and 20 against the Lakers last night. Um, I'm I, – I, again, I like this team quite a bit. I, I think the Kemba thing is what makes or breaks this team in terms of how far they go. If Kemba's going to be this ultra-efficient shooter who distributes the basketball, you have a different basketball team. Um, him realizing his role in this team has been kind of a roller coaster throughout the season, uh, how he fits in with two high-level scorers like this. He's never had to do this in his entire life. Mm-hmm. You go from high school to college to pros, Kemba's never had to be the third banana ever, yep. and now he is. He's a super highly qualified, overqualified, he asked me, third banana, and he, he's just trying to feel himself out, so – the patience that some of you have shown with this team should be commended. I'll tell you that. Uh, Adam, you and I have been frustrated to the point of saying, I hate watching this team. And that at certain points definitely rang true for me. But now that this team has become healthy, they've gotten, you know, they, they went out and got Fournier, which can't be ignored. They got Cornette, who's given them some minutes, which has been great. The evolution of Rob Williams. Um, all of these things have come together now. And, as they get ready to, to turn the page to the playoffs, the one thing you got to do, the two things you got to do, keep this particular level of play up and just stay healthy. If you do those two things, you got to feel confident because not many teams that you're going to play in the playoffs are going to have four scores like Boston does. You're, you know, they're not going to be able to, you know, with the exception of Brooklyn, and I would say Philadelphia because Joel Embiid basically counts for two people at this point. He's been so good. Um, not many teams are going to have four guys that can handle the ball and score 20 points per game. And that's what we get back to Grandy's point about that was the third best Celtics team in the past 20 years. And that was the best basketball any Brad Stevens team has played in his tenure. Why were they like that? Because they had four guys that could score the basketball. 
Simple as that. Can you make the case, I mean, you just argued for Kemba, but can you make the case that Evan Fournier might be not the most important player in the Celtics, that's not what I'm saying, but the biggest X factor in terms of determining their ceiling, even more so than Kemba Walker, just because of of what he should hopefully if you know if if he delivers what he is you know we've seen flashes of for a couple of games anyway before obviously the COVID situation and just what he was in Orlando and what what everyone hopes and expects him to be and especially coming off the bench as opposed to being in that starting unit giving you some of what you didn't have last night in Los Angeles could you argue that Fournier is actually the bigger X factor to determine this team's ceiling than even Kemba? Could argue that I think because he's Kemba Insurance, right? If Kemba doesn't have a great game, well, here's Fournier who averages you know twenty a game to help pick up that slack. Um, I just think if you have the four scorers versus the three, you're you're in a completely different category. Now, again, do I think they're going to win the NBA title? No. Do I think they're going to go to the Eastern Conference Finals? Uh, I'll give you a maybe on that. Okay, and that I wouldn't have even entertained as little as three weeks ago. I'm but still going to say no, but I'd love to be wrong. Yeah, same. But I'll I'll enter. I'll, I'll at least let the fantasy like I'll let it run away. It's like me like wishing that Justin Fields is the Patriots quarterback in two weeks. There you like, go. I'm trying not to let that particular fantasy enter my brain, but at certain points, like yeah, my brain's going to run with that. I will allow myself to get very excited about a potential deep playoff run and the Celtics making the Easter Conference Finals for the fourth time in five years. Um, I do think that that Philadelphia is better this year, but I think when it comes to your question about Fournier, you could easily make that argument because um, he's that Kemba insurance and the bench is where we've seen the Celtics really struggle against other teams throughout the regular season this year. Right. And the problem isn't the Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown thing. It's the problem when those guys aren't on the floor, what do you do? This team falls mm-hmm. apart. So in, if you want to argue that, I would, I could, I could see that argument being valid just because they're a complete dumpster fire when they don't have uh, both the Jays and the floor together. When one goes off, their numbers go way down. It's a way for one of the Jays to stay on the floor and still be a competent offense. So you can make, uh, is that what you're arguing? Do you think that, that, uh, that Fournier is actually more important than Kemba is? I think he is the, we're quibbling with the, with the semantics of, of the definition of important, right? So I'm, I'm yeah. just going to label it this way. I think he's the bigger X factor I, right. because I, I just think that, you know, short of like all of a sudden Kemba coming off the bench, and I don't think that's going to happen. So I just think the, the, the biggest hole, the biggest uncertainty on this team, and last night was not a prime example of it because, again, you were still thin, but it is an exa- example of it is – you know, you know what you're going to get more often than not, you know, on, on a nightly basis, almost without fail, you know what you're going to get out of Tatum, out of Brown, out of Smart. And I, I'm a believer in this recent trend of Kemba. I, I think he's getting more comfortable, obviously. He's, he's that much further removed from, from uh, you know, minute restrictions and, and having to sit games out and obviously just the knee injury in general. I think that I'm not saying Kemba is going to do what he's done the last five, six eight games, whatever, on a nightly basis. But we're going to be closer to that than we were at the start of the year when he came back. So the bench, though, Pritchard, who's admitted he hit a rookie wall. Neesmith, you don't know what you're getting out of him. Langford, you certainly don't know what you're getting out of him. I think he can contribute defensively. Offensively, who the hell knows? Um, Thompson and, and, you know, 
Williams, let's let's just operate on on the basis of Robert Williams being healthy. So Thompson's going to come off the bench. He's you know you know what you're going to get out of him, but again, he's not going to give you double figures in scoring on on a routine basis the way he did on on many of those Cavs teams. Grant Williams has just been you know, a, a, a mirage of, of what he once was. Uh, and, uh, or if that's even the right way to put that. So it's like, you need, you need to be able to, to drill in on a guy who's going to give you a consistent 15, 17 points a game off the bench. If Fournier can be that guy coupled with what you expect to get out of your starting lineup, then yeah, I would argue that Fournier is, is someone who, who not only can, but will, win you a playoff game here and there and and would be the difference between we're going out in the second round versus we're going out in the conference finals. Yeah, I think that's that's important to note that, that his not just his scoring ability, but his way to move the basketball. And that's the thing I think we've missed with him being out. Like we all know he could score. I mean you saw what he hit his first 10 threes or whatever or 10 threes in a row after right. going over his first game. Yeah. Um you, you see the offense there just from a shooting you know capability. We've all known that for years that Fournier can really shoot. The thing that you don't see is, is the way that he moves the basketball and his, you know, offensive IQ and how that affects the team and how that makes everybody else's life easier. And again, that Gordon Hayward spot that they surely missed, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Fournier can, can fill that quite nicely and yeah. not Hayward's just light, as everyone's been calling him. Right. Not, not just as a shooter. Cause you know, remember, you know, Hayward was what the most efficient player in the NBA last year, given the minutes he was given. Mm-hmm. Right. But a part of Hayward was the ability to have a guy that can create with 10 seconds in the shot clock when again, your two best creators are on the bench. And that's, that's really valuable. And how Fournier fits as a moldable piece. He can be a ball handler. He can be a wing. You know, he can guard defensively a, a multitude of guys. That, that guy is very valuable in his versatility to your point might make him a bigger X factor than Kemba. Kemba's a, a, a guard, right? And just, you know, by size by his ability to do things like he's just a guard, but you have a guy in Fournier who can be a little bit more moldable and kind of, kind of be sort of a chameleon in terms of he can change this. We need him to be there and change this. We need him to be there. So that's, you can make that argument and, and maybe I'm wrong on this. Um, and I will accept it to be wrong. And I, I look, I, I agree with you. I think Fournier in the playoffs is going to be really important for them. Um, he's a huge part of what their future is not just this year, but I think in upcoming years, if they can find a way to re-sign him uh, mm-hmm. and keep him in Boston. I mean, I think he's, I think Danny acknowledges like, yeah, we lost, we lost Hayward this year. That's a huge reason why we stink. That's a huge reason why everybody's mad at us. We just don't have that particular guy in the team right now. And mm-hmm. we didn't draft him. Yeah. I mean, that, that can be a, a, a way to salvage this season and, and get things going in a, in a better direction. Um, But Kemba in, if you just remember early Kemba before the all-star break, he was breathtakingly good. And I'm not sure if we're ever going to see that player again. I would love to see that guy. Um, but You're it, talking it, last I, year. Right. Yeah. Talking before the all-star break, before, before that the pandemic. Knee, yeah. Before the pandemic, before that knee injury, he was unbelievable. He was an all-star. He was tremendous. If they can find, cause I, you know, you look around, not too many teams have a guy like that that can that can really score on you in bunches. And Boston might have four of them, or at least three of them. Um, and those are what the upper echelon teams have. Look around the East, you know, Kyrie, Durant, and Harden. Mm-hmm. Nobody's going to match that firepower. Nobody. Just going to tell you right now, nobody's got that. But you have Philly, Tobias Harris, Embiid offensively. I don't throw Simmons in there because Simmons offensively is 
very weird. Um, you have, you know, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks with Drew and Giannis and, and Middleton and somebody else that will kill the Celtics, whether it's Brooke Lopez for a game or Bobby Portis and his ridiculous eyes for a game. Um, maybe defense Chenzel gets up. But the way that Boston can kind of navigate those waters, it, it, you can make the argument that Fournier is more, more valuable to them. Um, I just think the way Kemba fits in and what we've seen from him in the past, if you can find a way to get that guy, it'd be amazing, in my opinion. This show, once again, is uh, powered by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. You know what, F? I mean, maybe, and this I, I don't believe this, but I'm going to say it anyway, maybe uh, Boston's just back. Maybe the pandemic was uh, was not only an aberration for the world, but an aberration 2020 for uh, for Boston sports because the Red Sox, the Celtics, the Bruins, they have they have won 18 of their last 20 combined games. I think it's like 22 out of 26, as a matter of fact. We're back. All, We're all, all the way back. right in the world, man. They're back. We're all back. And we got to do it with ourselves. And take your guy Fields. Everything's good. We didn't know what to do with ourselves. All this losing. I, it was just it was just too much, you know. Pats go seven and nine. It was miracle they went seven and nine it literally Sox. destroyed the world yeah yeah right it's just a coincidence is that what you're telling me no no but yeah no it feel it just feels good again man it feels good socks are kicking ass pats could get the the best qb in the draft not named trevor lawrence uh celtics just the vibes are good and uh the bruins have replaced tyler sagan with the guy that went before him with taylor hall i mean life's life's not bad you know i mean goal scorer taylor hall right Hey, two grass out here winning 300 games. I mean, come on. So it's, it's easy. It, it, all, all's right in the world again. You know, with, yeah, and, and New York's a, having a you know, tough time right now. So I yeah. feel, I feel See good. See on the parade route this summer. It's going to be great. Tough boats are plenty, boys and girls. <laughs> all right. Thanks to uh, Forsberg once again, Ev. I'm Adam. And uh, of course, join us next week when hopefully we can talk about more wins. I'll tell you, the upcoming schedule certainly favors that possibility. You got a tough one. Tomorrow night, Saturday against the Warriors, but it is at the Garden in front of fans. And then you got the Bulls on Monday, Thursday, the Suns, and uh, maybe we'll even touch base before then uh, during that Tuesday, Wednesday break. And if not, uh, you know, certainly in the the immediate, you know, right around that scope of time because regular season, it is winding down, folks. We got, uh, whatever, ballpark 15 games left. Going to be interesting, but uh, keep on rooting them on. Let's see some more wins and... Uh, you Celtics fans out there with your ABCs, you just you just keep it up. I'm here for it. Keep feeding me on Twitter. You know where to find us. Here's something I haven't mentioned in forever, by the way. If you're still listening, give us a rating, a review on iTunes. We appreciate it. I'm going to start to say that off the top of the show so maybe people actually do it. We'll see you later. My woman.